back to the podcast. This week we're talking with Tyler Clark, a horror author and contributor from years past on our magazine. Right on. I love Tyler. And stick around after the interview as we catch up on what we've been watching lately. Enjoy. Tyler Clark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You're uh, an Inqua OG. Started back with us. I want to say you started writing in 2018, right? That sounds right. Well, you wrote you wrote for us for a little while. I know you came down to LA one time and stayed at my house and crashed on my couch. Uh-huh. Uh, for all those listening, can you talk a little about your writing? Sure. So I am working full-time writing right now. I had a job after I got my master's degree in something related to my master's degree, but that job was not working out. So I decided to give writing another shot and work on it full-time. That's awesome. I was going to say, yeah, what was your master's? I got my master's in non-proliferation and terrorism studies. I would not have guessed that one. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty pretty niche area of study. And you've been full-time writing now. And what genres, what kind of stories do you like to write? I write a lot of I write a lot of speculative fiction, whether that's fantasy, sci-fi, or horror, but probably horror more than anything else. Now, did you grow up in a seaside town? I did. <laughs> Is there a connection between horror and seaside towns? I'm just thinking Stephen King, there's so many great murders and horrors around there. Wow, I have never put that connection together before. <laughs> well, that'll be the book. That's going to be the paper we publish first. Yeah, Horror sure. and Seaside Towns. Maybe there's something to it, like all the fog, like the cold wind makes you terrified. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> the extra salt in the air it just gives you a little yeah. edge. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you enjoy about storytelling? What aspects uh, hook you and love to dig into? That's a really big question. I think about storytelling itself, there's a lot of freedom to it. And there's something really compelling about there just being no limitations at all for you as as you're writing, except for what you can express with language. Right? So that's really liberating. But it, it can also be like one of the most frustrating things about writing too, right? Like you're only limited by yourself and what you can think up. In fact, I remember this interview one time I was watching with Aaron Sorkin, and he talked about this, where he was talking about how he'll be sitting there writing and he'll look over at his bookshelf and see his dictionary, and he'll be so frustrated because somewhere in that dictionary, if he could just arrange the words in just the right way, there's the perfect story. Yep. It's just a matter of like mining into it and trying to figure out how to find it and everything. That's the hard part. I feel like the imagination of each person is so interesting because there's some commonalities, but each person's also so different. But there's a huge leap between being imaginative and bringing imagination into a cohesive story. It's definitely a craft that you, you have to work on constantly. Did you start early on writing? Was it something you started a few years ago? I've always been a writer, and in fact, the earliest stories I remember writing were horror stories. 
And uh, yeah, so it's, I've been doing it for a long time, but I haven't really leaned into it this hard before, you know, I, I, I think it was when the pandemic started that I really started spending a lot more time writing a lot of free time and a lot of angst, a lot of stuff to get out. (laughs) There was lots of that time during the pandemic. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> when you talk about writing and you you even wrote horror early on, what do you feel like has kept you coming back to horror rather than trying to branch out and do something different or change gears completely? Yeah. So my family members ask me this all the time, but from not as a diplomatic point <laughs> of, <course. laughs> of view, as like yeah. they're like, why horror? Why are you writing things that we hate? reading. (laughs) But so for me, horror is at its heart. And especially when it's done well, it's a means of exploring some of life's biggest questions of questions about mortality. And John Truby, who wrote probably one of the best, in my opinion, books on storytelling, He also has a book on genre in which he talks about this and he points out that basically horror stories create this safe space for the person experiencing the story to kind of meditate on their own mortality. And then you come out at the other end and you're still alive. You're still okay. It's just been like a dark tunnel for you to go through this experience and and think about death think about things that scare you through empathizing with a protagonist who's experiences experiencing these things and then at the end of the story you're okay you're safe again and so in that sense i I feel like horror is really for everybody even though not everybody likes it i understand that but yeah i think it's actually really something very special yeah, I feel like, especially even just recording this podcast in the last couple of weeks, I've talked to a lot of people who are making horror shorts, making horror mm-hmm. features. And I will say, until a few years ago, I was probably in the camp of your parents. You like horror. There's something <laughs> wrong with you. Like, up the medication. There's something you need to go talk to your therapist about. But I think exploring a little bit of it through some friends' help of like, try this movie, try this movie. It finally yeah. clicked. It's this primal, raw human emotion. And there's also yeah. like a little hint of comedy in it in some way. A little dark at times, but yeah. also it's absurd. To remind you, your lived experience is maybe a little more, like you said, normal and calm. But it finally cracked it for me to where I was like, oh, <laughs> this is not just for the anxious folks so they can laugh through yeah, it. Yeah. And yeah. it's uh, <laughs> definitely opened my eyes. And I, I do think, you know, film and TV and stories always go up and down. Would you sure. say you, you feel like this is a good time for horror that's kind of on an upswing? Or are we ending uh, a horror period? Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. I think in the last several years, there have been some really great horror stories. I'm thinking about A Quiet Place and Jordan Peele's horror movies and these other ones that that aren't just the campy B-movie horror slasher movies. And, and those have their place. Not to, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I like those too. They're fun. But we've had a lot of like really amazing horror stories in recent history that touch on even more 
of like what it is to be human and 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 stories that don't just scare you but also make you cry and make you laugh you know so i think we are in in a pretty good time period for horror what's your process like when you decide to go and start writing a story do you go watch some movies that are kind of in vain that are you know in the same vein as an idea you have or where did you kind of net out with starting that you know, I usually come at it from a starting place of thinking through a problem or an emotion. The first horror story I wrote that really made me feel like I want to pursue this as a career, I want to give that a shot, was a story I wrote called If a Tree Falls. And the story is about a person who is literally disappearing from the world his he's losing track of all of his possessions they're disappearing and people around him stop remembering who he is and so he's facing this horror of of disappearing and of losing his sense of self and everything and that story came right out of the pandemic of of like this feeling uh, after i'd lost a job of feeling like i was falling through the cracks and a feeling like a lot of people were feeling at the time of like, what's, what's going on? What's happening to me? What's happening to the world? It feels like everything's just, everyone's lost their minds. And so, yeah, a lot of my process, I, I, usually, I usually don't even set out with plans to write a horror story. It often just kind of comes out that way of uh, there will be a question on my mind or a feeling and then I just kind of crank that feeling up to 11 <laughs> and then have a character explore that problem or try and figure it out usually it doesn't end well for them <laughs> <laughs> how much of yourself do you find in these protagonist or exploratory characters a lot that's usually where it starts and then i'll do some research and and try and diversify the characters i'm writing about a bit more so i'm not just writing about me all the time but i yeah. i think every writer puts themselves into their stories somehow i don't know if there's any way of getting around that honestly do you feel like you have to distance yourself right before an edit and a rewrite or what's that process like once you've kind of gotten the first oh draft yeah yeah, ideally, I write the first draft, and then I don't look at it again for a couple of weeks. And then I try and come back to it with fresh eyes after I've worked on something else. That makes yeah. sense. Have to give yourself enough time to decompress. I think a lot yeah. of times when I talk to people who are writing or writing short stories, or if someone has an idea to write, and they're thinking about it, the most common thing I hear is, what are you doing? Books are dead. Short stories are dead. Magazines, yeah. where do you even put it? It's just get lost online. So where have you placed your stories and how do you kind of find places for them to go that feel meaningful to you and also like they will be read? That is a really good question. I Well, I've gotten some stories published in anthologies and there's no problem with just posting your stories online on a blog and making making that your space where you share your stories. If you're trying to become a professional writer, it's a lot harder. There's a lot of competition, even for short story markets. I mean, some of these magazines that are 
some of the more popular well-read ones receive thousands of submissions during their submission windows. And there's just a small team of editors going through all of it. So, but that's part of being a writer is you, you keep writing the next one and you keep getting rejections in the mail, but you, you keep them in the mail. That's the point. You keep putting them out there. That was, that's been an ongoing thing, uh, a lesson to learn. But interestingly enough, I think the, the, the time in my life when I learned that lesson the most was when I wasn't writing, but when I was busking, I was playing guitar on the street. Yeah. And if you've ever done that before, it's terrifying because you have no idea if people are going to hate the music you're playing or if they're going to like it or leave a tip or, you know, anything like that. But it's not your job to be liked in that situation, right? It's your job to put your music in front of people and whether they like it or not, they will hear you. That's the point. And as a writer, you have to kind of develop that mentality as well because you're going to get tons of rejections. But the point is not whether or not someone likes your story, but you have to keep putting your art out there no matter what. And just be seen is the point. Be seen and keep telling your stories. That's such a great outlook. And honestly, it's been said by others before, but Quentin Tarantino just last week was like, I just keep making movies for myself. You're all invited. And it's that same, you know. (laughs) Same idea. Yeah. Yeah, the same idea there of like, if you're doing it for anybody else, I think we've got a good, humans have a good nose for sniffing when it's just that, you know, when you're being pandered yeah. to or they're selling something inauthentic and sounds like you're writing what you want to write. It's a little bit of you in the story. It's what you're feeling. And it's a, you know, a story that you want to get out there. Right. So when you submitted your stories, how did you get into these anthologies and what are they called, by the way? These short anthologies. Sure. So there's an anthology called Behind the Shadows by Inked Publishing that released in september of last year and then there's an upcoming anthology called negative creep that's by book slayer press and that's coming out uh in a couple months so the first one the story that got published in behind the shadows i'd written that a long time before and i'd sent it out a ton of times and it finally found a home in this anthology the story for negative creep is a story that I actually wrote specifically for the submission call that they were looking for. It's an anthology of horror stories based on Nirvana songs. Wow. Yeah, it just sounded like such a cool idea. So I wrote a story specifically with that in mind, focused around the song Come As You Are. And I sent it in and and they got back to me pretty quick. So that worked out, but that's not usually how that goes. Usually you have to shop around a story for a long time before you find a place where they accept it. And where do you go about finding these things? Is this like in a a writing journal? Is this just online? Are you looking at Facebook groups? Where do you find that kind of information? I subscribe to a website called Duotrope. It's, It's a huge database of magazines and places that publish stories and poetry and 
I don't think you have to subscribe for their service, but I do because they have a really great tracking system that helps me keep track of all my submissions. There's also, it, it just kind of snowballs as well. The more you start to follow editors and magazines, the more, you know, calls for submissions show up on your social media feeds and i think that's how i found bookslayer press honestly so yeah just kind of keeping yourself in that space with who's doing things that's interesting right in addition to your shorts what are you looking to do in the next year five years ten years do you want to write a full novel do you do you like the short format do you want to move to screenplays or something else yeah i actually have a novel my first novel I'm working on the third draft of it right now. I started working on it at the end of 2022, so it's been a little over a year since I started on it. And writing short stories is probably going to be a mainstay of my routine as a writer just cuz it's such good practice. Like you can you can crank out a, a short story in a day and it's it's also really good practice as a writer especially if you're going on to bigger, more ambitious things like writing novels or screenplays, because when you write a short story, you get an immediate sense of completion. You know, it doesn't take a year for you to write a, a short story, but also you get a really good sense of the rhythm of stories. When you're writing a lot of short stories, you, you see the beginning, middle and end as a complete whole a bit easier than when you're working on these really long projects. And it's also really good practice just for finding your voice as a writer. So yeah, I'll probably keep writing short stories, even though I'm trying to work in novel writing into the, into the mix. That must be helpful to keep the creative juices flowing and not a year and a half in between every book or like some people who only do long right. form it could be feeling like you're staring at a long tunnel time for the next 13 to 15 months. Right. Absolutely. Now, let's shift from, from, from your writing right now to movies. We talked about them a little bit. But mm -hmm. do you want to talk about the 311, the three movies you love the most, one movie you love that's criticized or a little less beloved, and one more that people should know about? And this can be just horror or your favorites of all time, whatever. Sure. So I'll just talk about recent movies because I feel like a lot of really great movies have come out recently. Poor Things blew me away. So good. I loved yeah. that movie. It was so good, so bizarre, and hilarious. Also, Saltburn. You were a fan. Um, I was a fan. Just insane, like, dark. I don't even know what to call it. Was it a horror movie? Was it a a dark comedy i don't know but i was there for it and the holdovers is another one that i really liked right one yeah let's see a movie that is less liked that i really like that's harder i think well i can think of a couple just off the top of my head so i i grew up watching uh, on vhs the original Ninja Turtles movie that I yeah. think came out the year I was born. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But I love that movie and I I will just go to my grave proclaiming that it is one of the best superhero movies of all time. 
Original Ninja Turtles. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) And let's see, a movie that I love that people should know about. Have you heard of Minari? Yes, Stephen Young, right? Yes. So that movie came out in 2020, and it really, like, I feel like nobody saw it because that was right when the pandemic hit and the theaters shut down. Yeah. So it flew, like, right under everybody's radar. But it's finally streaming now. It's on Netflix, so I would really encourage everybody to go watch it. One of the other yeah. writers from Inqua, Cole, was like, you need to go see Minari. He related to it a lot. And to your point, it's one that no one really talks about. It's so emotional. Yeah. It's so real. It's got a great yeah. story. And the score is amazing. Yeah. yeah. I love that score. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. That was a really great aspect of the movie. Yeah, totally. Yeah. As far as where you are in the country, because you're up near Monterey. Yeah, I'm I'm just south of Monterey Bay. Yeah. Do you feel like there are some stories or movies set there that you have always felt like are yours? Oh, that's that's funny. Like a place that's been used as a movie set? Yeah, or even if you just say this movie feels like it could have happened up the road for me, you know, like it feels local. Oh, that's a tough question. There uh for so for a long time there were these abandoned like military housing buildings up north of where I live. And it it was from a military base that got shut down like 20 years ago. And so there's all these decrepit buildings that have just been left and they've got broken windows and trash and they look terrible. And so whenever I see anything on a movie set that looks like that, it just feels like I'm driving past those buildings. (laughs) That's fun. Maybe Last of Us. Yeah, 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 kind of like that. Yeah, very (laughs) post-apocalyptic. Yeah, every time I go up north, I'm always wondering, why don't we shoot more here? It's so pretty. It's so beautiful. There's kind of an eerie mist sometimes that rolls in that gives everything Uh a little darker tone. You wonder what's happening behind the scenes. Yeah, totally. Oh, speaking of mist, wasn't there a movie called The Mist? It was like a Stephen King horror movie. Yeah, maybe that was Northern California. The fog really makes me think of that movie. As far as things that you want to see, what aspects of horror or story do you want to see in movies coming out in the next few years? Is there some elements or things you're like, I wish we'd just have more of this? Hmm. Well, I love to see horror movies that have a really personal take to them, you know? Like I feel like The Last of Us did that really, really well, where it's like, it's post-apocalyptic, it's zombies and monsters, but it's also a story about love and connection and the, the lengths people are willing to go to protect people they care about. I mean, that's a really heartfelt story. It's also terrifying at parts. Yeah. But I love it when writers... And it's not even mixing genres. It's just taking the horror genre and expecting more of it, you know? Not just slasher's blood. and Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with that, but not just Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> yep. Right. Well, we hope that there's more of those stories coming out. I'll make sure we link your short stories uh, wherever they're published. For one of the anthologies, it's already on Barnes & Noble. You can find it there. 
for the other one that hasn't come out yet. It's, you know, we're still going through the editing process, so that's not quite ready yet. But I also have my website where I'm, I post updates on all my short stories. That's tylerclark.com. Perfect. We'll, we'll link that in the show notes and on our website with the, the post for this episode. So people can go read them and uh, check out some of the things you've been writing about. Awesome. And thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right, Madison, how was the desert last week? It was so good. I spent, I was basically by myself for a week. It was cold. I did hiking. I I had to get a motel one night because there was so much snow that I couldn't actually gain access to a campground. Oh. Actually, it was Bryce. Remember, we went and camped in Bryce oh, that yeah. one year? There was a lot um, of snow. Imagine twice as much snow as that, and the campgrounds were inaccessible. So Whoa. I had to get, a, I had to get a, a, a hotel in town for one night. <laughs> I guess it's a nice way to kind of break it up, right? It was, yeah. Not, not total camping the whole time? Yeah. Did you get to watch any movies while you were out in the desert and camping or going between, or did you just catch yeah. up when you got back? No, I watched, I downloaded a handful of movies on my laptop and watched a movie every night that I was out there, which was good. I watched Dune again. Okay. On my tiny little laptop in the middle of the desert, which is both poetic and also probably a tragedy. I watched both Deadpool's, okay, because the trailer for the the third one came out, and then I watched the Mario Brothers movie <laughs> for the first time or a rewatch for the for the first time. Wonderful. We should probably talk about Dune because it's coming out here. The second one, the sequel is coming out. So good. I think I liked it more the second time I watched because I, I saw it in the theater the first time. And I was a little perplexed at the ending because it just kind of felt like kind of felt like a really like a two and a half hour trailer for what was the yeah. real movie to come out later, right? But then I feel like once I knew that and I watched it again, I could kind of just relax into the movie a little bit more. Sorry, I oh, aggravated my lungs in the cut, desert. Cut, cut. But just in terms of movie making and storytelling, so good. Denis Villeneuve fantastic he made arrival which i know both of us really liked i don't know just the sin like just fantastic world building i mean i know they're coming off of they're not like making it up from scratch because they're coming off of a source material but just you know everything from set design to costume design to the script the attention to detail it just is it was just really well done and just a really well executed movie and I think now that we're, you know, a week away from the sequel coming out, I can be a little bit more forgiving of the fact that it feels like a trailer for the sequel. <laughs> yep. I mean, I know by the time this episode posts, people will have already seen it, but it won't be too far out. I was going to say my challenge to you is watch the old one. Have you seen the old one? No, I've seen screenshots of the old one, and that <laughs> might be enough. Put it on in and, and the background. So it's David Lynch, you know, mm-hmm. like Twin Peaks, Mulholland Drive, Inland Empire. Inland Empire? It's good. It's terrible, but it's good. It has Sting in it. It has Sir Patrick Stewart playing Duncan Idaho, if I remember right. Wow. It's got funky music. It's a fun one. And I tell everyone, yeah, scrub around. You don't have to watch all of it. But yeah. just kind of jump and scrub because it definitely gives you much more appreciation for... Denis just was like, you know what? 
<laughs> maybe we should revisit this and not let this be the only filmed version of this story. Anyway. Yeah. And as a, I just love sci-fi. I love big sci-fi, you know, whether it's space opera style sci-fi or like hard sci-fi like The Expanse. I just freaking love space, man. All right. Well, I can't wait to see it. Are you going opening night? I'm going opening day because, you know, being unemployed, I get to go at 10 a.m. Day night, day night. <laughs> day man. <laughs> Protector of the night, man. Okay, cool. Well, you go see it. We're going to have to talk about it as soon as we do. Put on another bookend. Yes. That's going to be great. I'll keep mine short. Have you watched Mr. and Mrs. Smith on Prime yet? I have not, but I, I know I, I need to. Okay, so you're aware of the show. That's a good yeah. start. I had seen it announced years ago, I want to say, that it was being written or done, and I was so mad. I was like, just let the remakes die. Stop with all the remakes. <clears throat> I then heard some good things about it as it was coming out. So Donald Glover fired... Phoebe Waller-Bridges from the, the show. Or sorry, that's too harsh. She left, whatever. They were writing it together, she left. Then it was just him, and I was like, okay, now we're going to see what, what happens here. It's fantastic. It has his whole crew who've made Atlanta for the last five, six years doing the show. It's not like the movie, other than a couple parts. It's completely different, completely different storyline. And it's really a story of this couple Donald Glover and Maya Erskine, who's from Pen15, them as a couple paired up through the secret spy program, and it's their relationship dynamics. So the action suffers a little bit, because you could tell they didn't pay enough stunt coordinators to do the action right, but that's okay, because it's not about that. Like It's more the relationship. It really draws you in. I had friends telling me, like, get through episode four and you'll love it. I hate when people say that. I'm like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> That's a slog. No, episode one I was in. I was like, oh, this is good. Good music, good pacing, good story. Donald Glover is just amazing to watch. And Maya Erskine does a great job. Tons of celebrity cameos all throughout in good roles. Paul Dano, John Turturro. It's a great one. I tell everyone to watch it. I just finished it last weekend. Last episode leaves a little like Am I happy they did that? Am I not? Who cares? Great series. Go watch it on Prime. Binge it if you have to. I'll definitely need to check that out. And I just finished What We Do in the Shadows. So I, I have some, I need, oh, to, yeah. I need to start something else. So that I might as well start this. Yeah, these are like 40 to 50 minute episodes. I think there's eight or nine of them. Easy yeah. to binge and it's right addictive. On. Cool. I'll, I'll get on that. I'll start that. Well, for everyone else, thank you for listening this week. We're going to wrap it up there. And catch us with our special interview for our Masters of the Air series this Friday. Cool. Keep watching good movies and TV. 